So, Brad, in the good news, bad news front, I got to tell you, I ran a 5K this uh, past weekend. The Monster Dash, which I thought was a clever name. It was a 5K. Wow. Oh, the Monster Dash, playing yeah. off of Boris uh, Pickett's uh, classic oh, yeah. Monster Mash. I was running in my shorts late one night. That You remember <laughs> that You song. worked on those uh, lyrics yeah. for 5K, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. Well, I had three miles to think about it. Uh, but here, so here's where, here's where things went wrong. It wasn't my... <laughs> Let's just say it wasn't my strongest performance, Brad. I'm not yeah. in tip-top yeah. shape. I'm not the I'm not the athlete that I was in high school or college anymore. Right. And so I am stumbling across the finish line, and there's all these hordes of people, and it felt like a horde. They're all looking at me, who was an isolated runner. There was no one else around, so it was definitely me they were looking at, right? Well, how could there be anyone else around? It was 11 o'clock at night. Everybody else had gone home hours yeah, they were, ago. They were folding up the horses. They were they were moving the traffic cones. They were, they were already taking down the lights. They said, look, it's got a four-hour limit on this 4K, this 5K. Uh, so uh, I'm crossing the finish line all by myself. And so legitimately, everyone's looking at me and they're cheering and smiling. And I wanted to do anything else but have to acknowledge them. I wanted to stumble across the finish line in shame and just be done yes. with it. And just but weep quietly. Here's the, here's the annoying part of this is that there is an yeah. unwritten social contract that when uh, other human beings cheer for you, you have to put on this faux smile. And even worse, even worse for me in this moment, I had to do the faux little sprint like, oh, I'm giving it my all across the finish line. So, all you want to do is just slowly limp across the finish line because at this point, I mean, what's a good time for a 5K? I don't even know. I, I, I know my my, my kid used to run a 15-minute mile. So let's say somebody doing that for three miles, it would be 45 minutes. You're coming in at hour 10, right? You, <laughs> it, it, at this point, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter if it's an hour 10 and five seconds, an hour 10 and 15 seconds. It doesn't matter whether you sprint those last five seconds. You know, it doesn't matter if you're sprinting. No, no. And yet I the social contract is you kind of have to give a little oomph at the end. If there if you have 30, 40 people cheering for you and they're going, you, gotta, you can do it. I'm so proud you of you. You gotta put on I'm, a show for you these gotta, people. You, the social contract is you gotta do the strained smile yeah. and you gotta do oh. the strained faux sprint of like, <laughs> look at me, the, the knees are going a little higher, the arms are a little more pumpy. Oh, I'm really. Oh, and the my, knees are going higher, you're going across that finish line like a drum major? Well, because here's the thing. <laughs> This is what I realized. There, it's funny you should say that. This is what I realized after I went across the finish line. I wasn't going faster. I was just doing more vertical movement, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? You like it was more faster. of an up and down. You, yeah, you were going faster. You were just going flashier. <laughs> yeah. I, it was basically the running version of jazz hands. Just the elbows going up and the hand, the, the little fists are going up. And oh, oh my god! So I anyway, wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been there. I, I'm to not so glad clap for you. I, <laughs> I'm so as glad a, you were. As a good friend would, to not clap for you. I really have to say, too, that I appreciated the organizers of the 5K because they didn't say... <laughs> They didn't say 5K fun run. They said 5K fun run walk. And I'll just say, I took advantage oh. of the walk. <laughs> you, like, you took advantage of the loophole in the social contract. Yeah, to do the a social little contract more was walking. Dave's going to shuffle up over a little bit here across the finish line. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, I'm going to say hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about half-heartedly crossing a finish line and making comics. And making a living from... Good job!
job, Dave. Get across that <laughs> line. Oh, flashbacks. Comics. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brad Geiger, the author of the Web Comics Handbook and the creator of Evil Inc. And I'm his pal, Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of Stripped. And this week's hour of comics advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave, let's talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. We have a huge show to talk about social media, specifically Twitter. What's yeah. coming down the pipe? It's going to be a, a really barn burner of an episode. But first, I want to thank our live gab group over at patreon.com slash comic lab who join us every week over in the live stream. And there's a concurrent chat that uh, Brad and I chime, chime in on before in the medium point and at the end of the show. So please join us over at patreon.com slash comic lab. Uh, the show is uh, archived every week. So if you missed the live stream recording for Life, Love, or Learning, you can check out the archive. And uh, and we hope to see you there. So, Brad, big, big, uh, big topic this week to tackle, yeah. which is Twitter and Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Yeah. And and so the headline here is Elon Musk, after kind of going back and forth, he, he was going to make an offer and then he was going to back away. And then Twitter kind of caught him in the noose and said, oh, no, if you back away, you're going to have to pay a whole lot of money and end up with nothing. So he had to put the money together. Forty four billion dollars for Twitter. <sighs> Uh, he it, this this ends he ends up buying Twitter. It removes it from being a publicly traded company, which is yep. one thing that we does gotta, have some advantages. But yep, yes, keep yep. going. Yeah, removes it from being publicly traded, and immediately within like hours is making changes at Twitter. Is is firing top uh, uh, executives. Uh, it, it, I, one source that I read said that he's bringing in a number of people from Tesla who are charged with making certain changes within a number of weeks uh, or risk losing their jobs. Uh, he's making a number of changes that we're going to talk about coming up in the show. Uh, and uh, and we need to talk about this because Twitter was really, at least on this show, Twitter was one of the top social media platforms that we endorsed. Uh, we talked about Twitter, uh, especially in the way that you were able to easily link out. You were able, right, able right. to do a lot of audience traffic uh, direction. Uh, it was it was the best. It was, in my estimation, head and shoulders above Facebook, Instagram. You know how I feel about Instagram. If you've listened to this show for five minutes, you know that I think it's a waste. Uh, Twitter was the one. And uh, and and. Twitter, without a doubt, is going to be changing, and we as comics creators need to talk about that so we can get ahead of the curve. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I, I'll be honest, this news is hitting me especially hard because unlike Instagram and Facebook and Tumblr and TikTok, mm -hmm. I actually personally still enjoyed Twitter a lot. I yeah. still got, I had learned how to block the annoyances I had learned how to filter down to what I found to be truly valuable. And yeah. as a platform, I still saw it as a place, ultimately, if you're if uh, in its best moments, as a place of ideas mm -hmm. versus for me, Instagram and TikTok are more vacuousness, right? It's yeah. more just like the scrolling of visuals that mean nothing, that give you nothing, that teach you nothing, that lead you right. to nothing. 
It's yeah. just distraction if, if we're being honest about it, right? Yeah. Like it's it's like, I mean, asking TikTok or, or Instagram to make your life better is like asking interpretive dance to teach you how to do economics. You know, it's just uh, like, uh, it's not gonna uh, happen, uh, you know? Uh, yeah. But, but Twitter in its best moments could link to amazing articles. It could, it could bring you idea makers or, or life-changing thoughts. And there was something still about it as a platform of ideas that doesn't have an equal. And yeah. so even though, I, if I'm being honest about it, even though it didn't perform as much as I probably thought it did, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think I probably gave it more oomph than it deserved. Oh, I yeah. still enjoyed it as a place of ideas. And boy, it's hitting me hard that I might have to step away from it for both on a per personal and somewhat professional level, right? And yeah. we're gonna talk about that today. But for what I'm just saying, this one's hitting me harder than past failures like Tumblr or, or, you know, TikTok potentially shutting down or, yeah. or being blocked in the U S and that kind of stuff. So I, what just, before we get into the nitty gritty of it, Brad, what are your thoughts about Twitter as, as you've used it over this past decade? Oh yeah. Uh, the num this was my number one social media platform without a doubt. This was where I put the most effort, the most energy. It's where I put the most importance. Um, uh, yeah. if I was doing a Kickstarter, I was certainly, uh, making sure that I posted on Facebook and Instagram and all the rest. Uh, but Twitter was where I focused, right? Yeah. That's where my focus yeah. was. Uh, now, I've talked about in the past on this show that I have long since, I, I'll have to go back and look, it might have been a year already that I uh, got rid of Facebook and Instagram off of my phone. And I switched that to a strictly unilateral uh, uh, messaging. In other words, right. I didn't stop right. posting on Facebook. I didn't stop posting on Instagram. I still post there because at the end of the day, I'm a pragmatic person, right? Right, I, right. I still post there, but uh, in terms of valuing uh, interactions and stuff like that, yes, uh, yeah, I, I am not uh, as poised on Facebook and Instagram as I was before, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, so Facebook and Instagram became unilateral posting. I would sit down in the studio at the beginning of every week. I would schedule out posts that I would want to make in those places, mm -hmm. schedule them, hit the button. I would check if there was any comments or messages from the previous week. I would answer those. And then for the most part, I would shut it down. I might check in on it momentarily here and there. Uh, just if I'm filling in a couple minutes on a desktop computer, I took them off my phone. Uh, so right. I'm not checking them all the time. Just if I'm here, I might check it. And, uh, and, and it became a strictly unilateral conversation. Well, I, okay. I, I don't want to uh, de derail you too much, but I do want to ask yeah. a, a sort of logistical question for yeah. Instagram. Do you, do you use like later or some posting program or do you do it through Facebook where you're yeah. posting on Instagram? So if you go to, I, I, I set up uh, uh, something uh, I, I think it's because I run a Facebook page that I designate as a business, but I go to mm -hmm. business.facebook.com and you can do all of your scheduling there. I used to like things like Hootsuite and Later.com for scheduling. Uh, I, I got a little bit concerned when I was looking at my numbers that uh, the platforms were devaluing third-party posts. And oh. so I got a little bit concerned. Uh, and just to play a hunch, I went over and started doing this all on Facebook, thinking, well, I, it certainly can't do any worse 
<laughs> you know, if, <laughs> yeah. if and we we have no heart. You know, it's impossible to really, uh, 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 in a concrete way, say one way or the other. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was it was significant enough that I'm like, well, I might as well just use Facebook's own. Uh, uh, even though I, between you and me, it's horrible. The, the interface is horrible, but you can, you can certainly post and schedule for both Facebook and Instagram on business.facebook.com. Gotcha. Okay. Because the only reason I was curious was I was going to ask logistically, do you yeah. post to stories on Instagram or is it just posts? I can post stories. I can post stories uh, using that as well. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, sorry for that derail of of the conversation, but so you're going to take Twitter off your phone to get back on topic and, and have it join Instagram and Facebook where you're only posting via desktop, right? Is that what you're thinking? I, it happened within 48 hours. I hadn't made the decision. I hadn't made the decision yet. Uh, but, and and it was made for me within 48 hours. I saw Elon Musk post something that I considered to be so egregious and just, and just downright, uh, icky disagreeable. And I was like disinformation within 24 hours of owning the platform. Yeah. And I, I, I literally stared at it with my mouth agape. <laughs> did a little bit of 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 googling to say is like this thing that he's talking about this this re- this website he's referencing that's a bullshit website that often puts out bullshit right yep it is uh this thing that he's talking about it, it's bullshit right yep it is and i stood there and i said you know what i don't want this on my phone anymore and within within 48 hours dave i had taken twitter off of my phone i am wow. devaluing wow. it the same way i'm devalu i wow. had devalued facebook and instagram as of as of right now uh it's off my phone i don't check it throughout the day and i'm doing the same thing i'm scheduling posts and here's another reason that i don't feel bad about changing my top 3 social media to an almost completely almost completely unilateral messaging uh, mm-hmm. because I want you to think about this, Dave, see if you see if this sounds familiar to you when social media started, what, 10, 15 years ago, one thing that we were all told, one thing that we were all promised was that uh, and people like us, people who were using social media to do business, we were all told when somebody comments on a post, you need to comment back right away, because if you do that, it'll juice the social media algorithm and your post will get displayed in more and more places and you can help to disseminate your message even further. But you've got to comment right away. So 10, 15 years ago, we all turned our notifications on. We all sat there with breath abated and we waited for someone to comment on our post. And when we did, we jumped right in and we commented back. Right. And perhaps it was true several years ago. But uh, I, all you have to do is just pay a little bit of attention to your uh, statistics and your analytics to see that even if that once was true, it, it, it certainly doesn't seem to be true anymore. Yeah, right. you, you can post within seconds of somebody commenting and it doesn't have an appreciable difference on your reach in the slightest. OK, Once you open your eyes to that fact, once you realize that we were played for for 10 years at least, and we all kept on and and still are in. Yeah, yeah. And we all kept on with that assumption that commenting and responding quickly is going to help our cause with the algorithm. Once 
Once you open your eyes and say that that's not really the case, then it doesn't matter if you comment back today, tomorrow, or next week. You do need to respond, and responding in a timely manner is certainly fine, but uh, I have zero uh, uh, worries in my life about responding quickly anymore. And once you open your eyes to that, you realize that switching to a unilateral messaging system for the top three social media uh, platforms is not such a bad idea. Boy, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in admiration that you were able to get the Twitter off your phone within 48 hours. I, I'm, again, I'm just not there yet on a, on a, on a, I don't know how to say it other than an emotional level in that I, what I want is I want Twitter to still be what it was like seven years ago, six years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah. I haven't changed. It changed on me. And so I right. think I'm a little bit in mourning if I'm being honest about it. Yes. And I'm also, frankly, if I'm being super honest about it, I'm probably addicted to the tiny little chemical hit that I get when I open up Twitter and oh, there's new tweets to read or, you know, or, or there's responses to whatever I just posted. Um, I, I am not immune to what they clearly structure as a, a Las Vegas casino like reaction for your brain, you know? Yeah. And so, but now it's like uh, the addiction has become where I'm, I'm like an alcoholic, but all the alcohol in the world has turned to the taste of urine. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like, yeah. now I know that I want Twitter, but I, there's a, there's an equally logical part of my brain that's going, Ugh, this is really a, a chaos agent now, both on yeah. a personal and a professional level. Mm -hmm. And I, so yes, like you, I don't want to burn the bridge for my business just because bigger forces that I can't control uh, are are creating chaos on a platform. But it's going to be an interesting road to walk in terms of removing my own personal interest in, in and maybe taking it off my phone like you did. Yeah. But still posting my stuff on there for whatever remnant audience I have, which by yeah. the way is shrinking in the last four or five days. Uh, my, listen, my, I, can, I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak for me. My, my audience has shrunk in the last four or five days. Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, uh, as we're going down this road, let's talk about social media addiction, because I did take it off my phone. I took all three of those off my phone at this point. Right. Uh, right. And then <laughs> within an hour of taking Twitter off my phone, I opened up uh, an application that I hadn't taken seriously in years. Oh, yeah. Uh, Reddit. I opened oh, up really? Reddit which was on my phone, and I made my first post in four years. I had not touched Reddit as, as far as a creator. I had, I had, I had, I had, I, I like reading through Reddit and stuff. I think, I right. think that's fun. And I use the, there's a writing prompts, uh, subreddit that I use for my class on a weekly basis. So I always have it there. Hadn't posted in over four years. Uh, right. posted some, I had a bunch of single panel Halloween themed comics, posted a bunch of those over the weekend, immediately got better traction, better engagement, better numbers than the previous three months on Twitter. And I'm really? like, I've been really sleeping on Reddit. <laughs> and by, by the way, I know we're going to get people who are going to immediately tell me, Hey, Brad, you're jumping from the fire pan into the fire. Reddit has a has as much toxicity as Twitter does uh, True. To, to which I'm going to tell you, you show me a non-toxic social media platform with more than a couple dozen people posting there and, and I'll post there. Right. I'm yeah, very I mean, that's, aware that's, of pillow fort. I'm very aware of Mastodon and, and I've been trying them all. I've been trying them all. <laughs> there's nothing for me. There's just nothing going on over there. Right. So in the meantime, I've been filling my time with Reddit 
And my single panel stuff, as could be easily guessed, does really good. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a little bit harder time posting sequential stuff that goes over four panels. Uh, there, there is clearly a uh, culture of four panel comic posting on Reddit. I can see that going very well. The Evil Ink stuff is as a much slower uh, uh, process in terms of getting traction. Uh, but I, I replaced Twitter with Reddit over the weekend. And I got to be honest with you, I'm having a ball. I'm, and I'm, ha- I'm getting really great results. Yeah, I mean, like you, I, I have used Reddit in, in years recent. Um, and I don't want to say that it's, it's uh, you know, uh, salvific in terms of what it can do for your career. It, it's not. Yeah. But, um, and it absolu- absolutely has a level of toxic, especially toxic masculinity, I find, mm-hmm. on Reddit. Um, it just it sometimes feels like a sausage fest on that, on that social media platform. But, um, uh like you said, all all of the social media platforms are kind of like choose your demon. You know, which yes. one because they all have ills that you look at them and you're like, I don't want to be here. This is terrible. I don't want any of this. Yeah. And in some ways, we're sort of have having a poly crisis across social media platforms because Zuckerberg is driving Meta into the ground. Yes. Um, granted, it's still profitable, but it's but oh Lord, that stock price is going down mm-hmm. because the metaverse is a stupid idea. Um, uh, Instagram is 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 having TikTok eat its lunch, right? Uh, the younger kids definitely want TikTok. TikTok yeah. having control by the CCP is considering being banned by the FCC and by the EU. Uh, you know, Twitter is now owned by a, a chaos agent that has taken on a ton of debt who, who's going to have so much trouble servicing it. Yes. Uh, Facebook is still for our grandparents. And so nobody wants to go there. What I'm saying is all of them have these massive problems. Uh, and so you're right that each one is is like choosing a demon for different reasons. You're like, well, this one fails me on these seven fronts. Oh, right. I'm going to switch to this one. Okay, these are failing me on completely new and different fronts. So it's sort of like, all right, well, I, I hate all of this, but which one can can I at least kind of make work for my career? And yeah. like you, I have found that Reddit, in in its good moments, can uh, can help uh, get the get traction for certain comics of mine. Yes. Yeah. Um, like you, I should say for people that do long form storylines, I found that drive doesn't do anything on, on Reddit aside from yeah. its own subreddit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you probably have found that true with evil Inc. as you were just yep. saying. Yep. Um, so we're entering an imperfect kind of third phase for social media, you know? Yeah. And so how do we navigate this? Um, for, for Brad, I think taking it off the phone on a personal level, boy, do I applaud you because I'm, I'm not there yet, but I see it coming down the pipe yeah. of, of I, I am personally very dissatisfied with my own reactions to how the app makes me feel and mm-hmm. also how it's making the world function, both on a yes. political and a social level, right? And so I think taking off my phone, when I get to it, I will I, I will probably be thankful that you led the way for me on that. Yeah. Um, but then let's talk about, we got a bunch of topics around this uh, now yes. that Elon owns it. And like we talked about, $44 billion in leveraged debt yes. that is going to generate one billion dollars of debt servicing every year for Twitter. One billion dollars. That's not paying off principal, everybody. That's just servicing the debt and the interest of the debt. One billion dollars. I mean, there's a reason why when GM really collapsed and the U.S. government had to step in, why it shuffled off all that debt. Because when you're carrying that much debt, it ruins a company. And I don't know, I genuinely don't know how Twitter survives one billion dollars in annual debt servicing. Oh, I'll be right. I'll, I'll 
I'll be honest with you. I don't think it does survive. I think we're looking at the beginning of the end for Twitter. Not not for nothing. I mean, you I might know be that, right. Yeah, I know that sounds like uh, like a huge. <laughs> you may you may be remembering me saying that I thought be real was going to be the next big social media platform, and you're going to think, well, Geiger, you're full of shit. <laughs> but uh, I, I've got a little bit more behind me on this one than I did with that one. And number one, I I I, I kind of knew within three days I was crazy about that one. And listen, tune in next week. Maybe in three days I'll know I'm crazy on this one. <laughs> Bad brackers be real. Yeah, here yeah. we go. Yeah. But here's what I think right now. One billion dollars in debt. Uh, Again, servicing that interest. That's a huge, huge problem for them. Uh, And and, and for them to be able to uh, overcome that is going to take they're going to have to do some massive, massive changes in the way they do business on Twitter. Right. Uh, Right. And. That's going to, in my estimation, that's going to drive people away there. In other words, what we're looking at is the tumblerization of Twitter because the two have very, very similar uh, problems. They bought uh, the company. Who was it that bought Twitter? Was it? Uh, I'm sorry. Who was it that bought Tumblr? Was it Yahoo? Oh, at that time. Uh, uh- uh, you know what? I'm blanking on it, but just for the point, yeah. just call it. Here's ABC, for, yeah. It, 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 help me out. Uh, yep. I'm getting confirmation in the live stream. Thank you, Jack. Uh, Yahoo bought Tumblr, right? And immediately changed it in, 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 and removed the types of experience that people had come to expect on Tumblr. Okay. Right. And right. Tumblr went right down and has never come back. Really has never really come back from it. Uh, no. They're making the similar types of changes, changes the experience that people had come to expect on Twitter, and they're going to have the same effect. It's going to go right down into the drink. Here's the number one thing, and this is this is a bigger problem across the board, okay? One of the first changes that Musk says he's going to do with Twitter is the verification process. If you've got a blue check mark, if you've got a verified Twitter account the way both Dave and I do for the next uh, uh, short, short, short term minutes. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, If you've got a verified account, you're going to have to pay. Originally, they were saying twenty dollars a month for it. Uh, that uh, from from what I saw, one of the big uh, Stephen King, the author, (laughs) Stephen King made me laugh. Screw it. If that happens, I'm gone like Enron, he said. He, he's yeah. he's and Elon Musk immediately came back and said uh, something to the effect of, hey, we've got to pay the bills somehow and advertising isn't doing it. How would eight dollars a month sound? Right. <laughs> Missing- Which, by the way, Brad, if you're going to take on forty four billion dollars of debt, do some basic business uh, yes. projecting before you start having to negotiate yes. prices online with Stephen King. Oh, it oh, just it, 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 it shows so much of, uh, of you know, that the whole the emperor has no clothes. It shows yeah, so yeah. much of what's lacking oh, in this business approach. And. Uh, now the the official number being floated is eight dollars. And again, uh, Musk is missing the basic point. Stephen King is not going to pay one dollar a month because no, his, no. at least not from what I'm understanding, his stance being, he's saying they should be paying me. I bring more to this service than they bring me. I, they should be paying me uh, the, the, for the fact that I'm here. Which, which, from Stephen King's perspective, is true. You know, yeah, yeah. here's an author worth five hundred million dollars. He doesn't care if he has to pay eight dollars right. a month. But by the the, the sheer uh, idea of it is is what's enraging. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So here's what's going to happen. Certain companies are going to have to pay that premium. Ford Motor Companies is going to have to pay 
whatever that costs per month right. to have their yep. verification. Certain, so they're going to have to, right? Certain celebrities right. and sports figures, people like that are going to want to because it it elevates them on the platform. It's a, it's a status symbol sort of thing. The right. rest of us uh, are not going to pay it because it's just not that important. So who's no longer going to be verified? Well, probably a lot of journalists, a lot of researchers, a lot yeah. of authors, a lot of those kinds of people who either will not or cannot put that uh, that money aside for Twitter verification on a monthly basis. Uh, those blue check marks are going to disappear. And that means uh, the one thing that verification was good for is that it did give you some degree of authenticity of the information you were getting. That's going to go out the window because now not only are those researches and so forth probably not going to have their blue check mark, but somebody who is, let's put it politely, a bad actor, some not, you know, someone who's not in good faith, that that kind of person, somebody who's up to no good can purchase mm -hmm validation and have their message get taken seriously. It's it's once you put money into that, you devalue what the blue check mark originally meant. Yeah. So Brad, not willing to pay for the check mark. Brad Geiger, you know, Brad Geiger on Twitter uh, says, yeah. hey, everybody, I'm doing great on Twitter. Well, here I come, Dave Kellett. I've paid for the real Brad Geiger to have a check mark. Yeah, I take Brad's photo. I mean, I mean, listen, two seconds of work. We all know this. Could, a version of this could happen. Yeah, uh, and and bada bing, bada boom. Suddenly, I'm the verified thing, and it ruins the whole point. Like Brad said, of what yeah. verification for. And what's weird is, I think uh, Musk saw the check mark as some sort of status symbol that most people who've had it are like, I don't give two shits. This makes yeah. no difference to my business. It was it was fun for all of two seconds when I got the check mark and and now I literally don't care. And I right. it has impacted my business. Not at all. Now, the idea that it might come where you uh, you roll in what you're allowed to post or how often you can post or how few advertisements are seen with your post. Mm -hmm. I see what they're doing with that. That's a different question than the what the verification check mark was meant to be, which was to cut down on misinformation and bad actors right. and and bad sources of information. Um, so uh, it's kind of mixing the two things together that don't need to be mixed. But yes, I can, like Brad, I can see the Kardashians paying quickly for the check mark because they want to be able to post seven videos a minute or whatever it is, you know. And yeah, yeah. Uh, what will be interesting is what the limits will be on images, which is how web cartoonists will be impacted. Yeah. We're not really posting videos, which is clearly where they Twitter wants to go. And frankly, which is where they should go if they want to compete with TikTok. Mm -hmm. But I don't care about videos. I've never cared about videos. And uh, so if they don't limit images, that will be, in, uh, I see no reason for me to, to bump up to a blue check mark, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't see the idea of, of paying for it at all, uh, to be honest with you, but see, but that's the thing, as you said, $1 billion in interest per year they're going to have to start making a lot of changes because everything else that Twitter was doing clearly wasn't working. Tips for tweets, all of that. Some blue to Twitter blue, all that stuff. Even this uh, $8 a month verification. Uh, it's not, it, they're going to have to make a lot of changes uh, to bring a lot of money in. And that means they're going to want a lot of us to shell out for something that has been free since time immemorial in uh, internet terms. And we're not going to want to do it. And what's going to happen? We're going to go someplace else because yes. there's lots of other places to go. Uh, and not for nothing. 
I, I know, I know you're going to make fun of me, but this would be the great time, Dave Kellett, for somebody to use that RSS reader app idea <laughs> that I put out there for free. This is the time for an RSS reader app that has a little bit of like algorithm in that, you know, it, it suggests something new to you every now and again. This would be the time if I could put two lines of code together, I'd do it myself. I freely give it to the world. This would be the time for an RSS reader app. I'm telling you. First of all, I love that you think that you're the only one pushing for an RSS reader, right? Like as though the rest yeah. of the world is not familiar with RSS readers. Yeah. Uh, uh, secondly, I love that you are always like, you're always screaming about a technology that's not going to, you can't force on society. Like it's like yeah. this, Brad, it's like Henry Ford is over on one side going internal combustion <laughs> engines. That's where we're, that's what we got to do. And yeah. Thomas Edison is over on the other side going, no, we can power cars with electricity. Let's make batteries for cars. Meanwhile, yeah. Brad's over in the field across the way going steam power. That's what we got to do. Cars that have steam power. Let's get that going. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we know steam is a thing. No one wants a car with steam. I'm oh. telling you steam power is the future i love steam <laughs> have you ever seen a steampunk car those are the best <laughs> a lot of brass a lot of knobs yeah yeah, yeah. come it's, on yeah, we, a, we could go back to a much much more elegant way of life no listen life was better with rss readers yes. there's a reason why google killed their reader is that it didn't yeah. make the money and that's the problem we need someone who is just altruistic enough to say you know for every 10 rss posts i'll put i'll insert my own little ads in here i'm happy with making a small amount of money it's kind of like what happened yeah. with banking banking used to be happy with a three or six percent return and then banks got bigger and bigger and bigger and suddenly they had to do all these risky investments you know what i mean yeah but, it's social media. The same thing kind of happened because they're all publicly owned companies. They had to chase constant growth. It's like a shark. They mm -hmm. couldn't sit still. They had to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And so uh, the, the algorithms got trickier. Advertising got trickier. Everything got more intrusive. They had to colonize more of your mind and your time yeah. space and your day yeah. uh, to make it work. They couldn't just be a fun little app that you used every once in a while. They had to, they had to get you with the, the kind of Las Vegas stuff that I was talking about before. Yeah. And so anyway, what I'm getting at is I'm with you. I want an RSS reader. I loved RSS. It was great for comics. It was, it was frankly a happier time for the internet when RSS was around. Yeah. I just don't know that it's going to come back. Yeah. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody, let's talk comics. I mean, speaking of RSS, Brad, the, the, let's, yeah. let's talk about one thing, though. I do, I've never understood this. Somehow in the podcasting ecosystem, there is enough uh, financial incentive that I know comes from not where. I have no idea how they do it, where yeah. really good podcast players seem to get coded. And yet I didn't pay for those podcast players. Right. There's no advertising that I can tell that's being placed on those podcast players. I, I mean, it's almost like goodwill from coders that they made these podcast players. Yeah. Why doesn't that happen in the RSS world? I don't get it. I don't know why that never 
happens yeah, because every one of those podcast players is RSS based. That's that's the engine that's making them work. Right. Yeah. I mean, yes, it is the same underpinning <laughs> of. Yeah, it's an RSS system. So it, it, it's it, it can be done. It can be done. And I, I, I gotta I, I gotta believe that somebody could turn that into uh, something that could be monetized. Of course, it would right. be, probably be advertising uh, based. But but listen, that's how all of this started. All the social media started with no feasible means of monetization in mind. Right. Right. Uh, and it, it, it th- my my magic RSS app could could be the same thing, could be the same <laughs> thing one day. I'm so anyway, you. as we as we turn our, our attention from Brad's steam powered uh, 1907 car <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to the next topic. But actually, we still have a couple things to unpack with uh, with Twitter, because yeah. um, the thing that I'm finding interesting is that. As we saw with him sort of brainstorming in real time with Stephen King, what a valuable price would be. Yeah, Uh, I feel like there's some aspects of the Twitter purchase that Musk didn't think through, which is mind boggling to me. Yeah. I mean, in some respects, he sort of has the self-control of a 13 year old boy, you know, Mm -hmm. in that what he's what he thinks comes out by being said what he what he says is what he'll do without thinking about it. Anyway, we've talked about before how he's kind of a chaos agent. Anyway, um, I'm I'm boggled that he didn't stop to think how much advertisers have a a, a grip on what Twitter can and can't do. Yeah. Like if he's got to service a billion dollars in annual debt interest, Brad, that means he needs a lot of really high paying advertisers to be like, yep, happily on the platform. Yep. Happily placing a lot of ads. And yet already we've seen GM, which granted is a competitor of Tesla. Mm -hmm. We've seen GM, which is a huge advertising source in the U S yeah. step away from Twitter. And we've seen a consortium of advertisers suggest to their members that they pull back from Twitter for the time being. I don't know if that's permanent, but frankly, it's probably wise until they see where you know things fall. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when you start to have major advertisers step away, that's the exact opposite of what Twitter needed in this moment, yes. right? Even before yes. they took on the debt, when the, when the previous team was doing not everything right, but the approximation of trying to do everything right, uh, they were still having trouble making a profit year to year. Now, I don't know how Twitter is going to do it and get their advertisers to stay on board. No. And, and, and that's, uh, that's exactly why I think Twitter is going to come crumbling down. It's, it's going to crumble under its own weight. And I, I think I, I know that sounds impossible to believe, but remember that old adage. No, Shum- Tumblr showed me that it's not impossible yeah, to believe. Yeah. Uh, and and Tumblr, by the way, uh, it, it, it things well. What I was going to say is everything's impossible until it becomes inevitable, right? And yeah. that's yeah. and I think we're going to see that with Twitter. It's also very very uh, uh, important to note that for people like myself that do uh, some comics that are not safe for work, Twitter was right. an amazing place because uh, if you stayed within certain guidelines, you could use Twitter very easily. And of course, the ability to link was was huge. On Twitter, right. you could it, it had so many things going for it, which makes me very sad to see that it's that right now it looks like it's uh, reaching critical mass. Right. And so for the and in fact, it's kind of similar. What happened to Tumblr is going to happen to Twitter, because yeah. when you need to appeal to 
and it doesn't matter what the company is, a, a broad enough advertiser, right? Whether it's Pepsi, whether it's Nike, whether it's GM, there's certain vague social guidelines that you have to stay within so that no one can hold up your advertisement right underneath a certain kind of post and say, oh, is this where you want to be GM? Oh, is this where you want to be Pepsi? And right, so right. Yahoo, Yahoo, in trying to, to ad, get advertising for Tumblr, was like, all right, no more, no, not suitable for work. Right. Twitter might have to do the same thing, I think, yeah. with, with trying to up their advertising numbers. And so I think for people like Brad, it might be a less welcoming place. Yeah, uh, oh, I, I, I would not be a bit surprised to see NSFW gone from Twitter within the coming months, all of which leads us to this next topic, Dave. Where do we go from here? Where yeah, what what yeah. is the future for somebody independently publishing comics on the web? Uh, where do we do? What do we do? Why, I, I, we, we've been talking. And in fact, I, we've got to go back and listen to that predictions show uh, uh, because this is something we've kind of been talking about for a long time on Comic Lab. And that is the social media uh, pendulum starting to swing back. And uh, this has all the earmarks of a major swing in the opposite direction that uh, social media has been going for a long time. And that means that you and me and everybody listening to this show has got to do some real heads up thinking to get ahead of the curve uh, because we do not want to be left uh, in the lurch <laughs> with our feet flat as right. uh, this change sweeps right past us. We're in the midst of a big change. How can yeah. we best prepare for that change, Dave Kellett? Well, I'll tell you where I think we do, which is, you know how every six to 18 months with Patreon or with Kickstarter or with any platform that we use as web cartoonists, there's always some blow up or flare up of like, yeah, I, I didn't realize that they were murdering puppies. Oh, I'm off the platform. And, and everyone, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of consternation. And Brad and I always go, OK, give it a week. Hold on. They're going to fix this problem, whatever it is uh, they and they do. They fix the coding error. They fix the billing error. And so yeah. we always advise sort of on a pragmatic approach which my gut is telling me is the right one here, even though this one, for whatever reason, stings me more than normal in terms of like, as I was, again, emotionally probably addicted to the app in terms of yeah, new daily yeah. use. Um, but I think, I, I think a pragmatic approach uh, of maybe continuing to use it with a couple thoughts in mind. The service is going to get far worse before it gets better. And that I would predict, and I would love to have, so I don't know if there's an app that can remind me, I would love to predict that within two years, Musk will be out as, uh, as running Twitter within two years, I think. And so you also want to ask yourself, would you like to maintain your personal user base, your readers, yeah. your fans for that eventual outing of, of Musk two years from now, or, and listen, within that time frame, it might be a year from now, might be five years from now. I'm not sure, but yeah. I don't think he's in it for the long haul because of just the way he's going to have to govern and the uncomfortableness of the decisions that he's going to have to make. And frankly, because he's a chaos agent, again, he's a 13 year old boy emotionally mm -hmm. in that he can't stop himself from doing certain things that are going to shoot Twitter in the foot. Yeah. And uh, so there's going to be some form of exodus, I feel like, from the user base. But it's a question of pragmatism of how much of that user base that you currently have would you like to hold on to for two years from now when someone else buys it out? I, I would say keep using it mm -hmm. again on an increasingly limited emotional basis. Yeah. Um, and so Brad, I think, probably has the better move of taking it off your phone and just using it as a desktop, you know, set it and forget it kind of a system. 
Yeah. I'm not there yet emotionally, frankly, because I'm probably addicted to Twitter, but um, I think that's probably smarter, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I switch, again, just to underline that, I don't think either Dave or I are, are advocating getting rid of your Twitter account. We're pragmatists. You're going to still tweet there. You're still going to use that. Uh, for me, it's turned into unilateral communication, a lot less active conversation and a lot more me putting stuff out there and then right. checking back in a day or two to see if anybody's commented. Uh, uh, and by the way, it's been, it's been nothing. I, I'll tell you this on the other side of it, it's been nothing but good. I, I haven't missed it a bit uh, yeah, in I mean, terms of that stuff. Everyone goes. in my life that says that they've been able to successfully step away from social media. They're like, Oh boy, that was taking up a lot of time in my life. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't realize how much time it was taking up. And I, I, I'm the same way, you know, I, but we're at an interesting, I mean, you had sort of said it before, Brad, in conversation that we're sort of in a third phase of social yeah. media where the first phase was sort of like, hey, this is fun. We can all micro blog about, hey, what we had for lunch or all, hey, I'm going to this convention and, and would anyone like to meet up by the coffee stand? And right. we use Twitter for fun ways and we would post comics and and that was fun. And no one had really figured out how to monetize it. And then the second phase came in. Yeah. And that's when we went from and, and it went from being kind of uh, everything that that was to becoming uh might, for lack of a better word, it became a publishing engine at that point. And there are there are if you go back to the early, early Comic Lab episodes, we're telling you, you cannot use Twitter and the other social media. But mainly we're going to focus on Twitter. You can't use Twitter for just promotion. You've got to use it for publishing. How many times did you hear me say, I've got to be able to read your entire comic on Twitter, not a link to the comic someplace else, because I'm not going to click that link. Uh, I need to be able to read the entire thing. And that was phase two. It, It went from the first phase, the fun phase into mainly publishing and second tier promotion and, 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 and at that point, a lot of us started, me included, started ignoring our websites because yeah, the game yeah. was being played on social media. So we focused on the game. We're in phase three. And you've heard me say it on this show before uh, that for many, many months leading up until now. And now I'm making this a, a, a priority for you if it's not already. If you don't have a website, you need a website. Because that's where everything's going to go back to. You're not going to be able to rely on social media. We're going to have a lot of the old things that we did are going to come back into play. You're going to hear us talk a lot more about things like social. uh, I'm sorry, uh, search engine optimization, SEO. We're going to start thinking more about that than we did before. Uh, We're going to start to put a little bit more focus on the website because that's where all of us can drop back to. And in many ways, uh, I think uh, the more I look at my numbers and my stats, uh, maybe it never really went away. You've heard me say that statistic uh, yeah. many, many shows before. When I put the reader survey out, 76% of my uh, new Patreon backers said they found out about Patreon through my website. It never, it maybe never went away, but for sure it's time for us to put a focus back on the website. And if you don't have a website or if currently you're posting on Webtoons, you don't have a place that you can control. This is now a, it's now a, a, a top tier priority for you. You need to start building a website. And again, pragmatism being the basis of this, I think we would advertise or the idea of 
You're not jumping off any platforms right now. You're not leaving anything that's still kind of right. working for you. But what you right. are doing is is steering when you can people towards your mailing list, steering, yes. steering people towards your website. Um, it's going to be weird for a lot of us because social media has dominated our you know, interaction, quote unquote, with the internet, even though it was always a walled garden on Twitter right. or a walled garden on Facebook. And it's going to be weird for people to go back and they might not, by the way. So, yes. uh, so you know, I think the mailing list is going to become increasingly important for whoever and however you can capture those social media users yeah. over to your mailing list. But what I, I, the one other weird aspect of this third phase of social media is that we have, I think, safe to say four major social media outlets that are all kind of collapsing in different ways <laughs> yeah. at the same time. Yes. You know, uh, like Twitter, I, I genuinely think it's going to be both a degradation of its overall user base and the yeah. overall quality of the conversation on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Right, We've already talked about that for half an hour. And then Facebook continues to be a geriatric social media that yep. literally the audience will start dying off uh, as that, as they sort of age out of Twitter, mm -hmm. um, Instagram, uh, but by the way, Facebook is still profitable. Uh, Instagram still profitable. The problem is that Zuckerberg with his, has no competing A-class stock or board members that will say no to him because they physically can't like yeah. Facebook is structured so that it is his dog and pony show and no one can tell him not what to do. And for whatever reason, he is committed to the metaverse and it's yes. going to blow billions on it anyway. So Facebook and Instagram are dying in their own way because of Zuckerberg and TikTok. I continue to think because we're entering a new great powers phase between the U S and China and to a lesser extent, EU and China, they are TikTok is going to get banned in the US or if not banned, it's going to be changed dramatically in mm -hmm. what is allowed onto Chinese servers from US data points. Um, I, I it might not happen today, might not happen tomorrow. It's going to happen within the next couple of years. Yeah. And so you have like four networks that are all kind of falling apart. And I don't have a clear answer as to what the future is like is it mastodon i don't think so is it pillow no. fort i don't think so is it is it uh jack dorsey's blue sky project i don't think so um especially because jack dorsey is increasingly looking like he's uh, uh consulting with a, a russian czar and telling them <laughs> what to do as his robes are like i don't know what's going on with the beard with jack dorsey anyway um so i I, I genuinely don't know how this nets out for social media broad speaking because right. a lot of them are collapsing in real time. Yeah. And yet there's still a desire for people to use social media. Um, but I don't know what replaces Twitter. There's no real, there's no real clear platform of ideas that that replaces Twitter. Yeah. Maybe Reddit. Maybe it is Reddit. Maybe. I don't know. This might be Reddit's big moment. <laughs> this might be Reddit when Reddit finally takes Reddit steps on, on stage. Reddit, for its own reasons, is having its own problems because it's constantly yeah. pushing people to the app for all the reasons that you want to push people to an app. None right. of its players work. Its video players never work. It has its own kind of misogyny problems and toxic oh, yeah. toxicity problems. So even Reddit ha is not quite ready for prime time in terms of uh, you know all the Twitter users going over. So I, I guess what I'm saying, Brad, is I'm, I'm just not sure what this next third phase of social media entails other than collapse of current models, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, you're absolutely right. Uh, and, and, and in the meantime, as we're discovering what that is, I want to make sure that I put this in here because sometimes I think it gets missed because every a lot of times, sometimes when I use that 76 percent, uh, sometimes I hear people say, well, yeah, but Brad, uh, maybe they found out about your website through social media. Right. And right. The, the answer to that is uh, they probably did. 
right? I, 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 I wouldn't discount Google because it still serves, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of close to 20 billion visits a month. So you can't discount stuff like Google search Plus engines. Google Plus is making a comeback, Brad. It's time oh, for Google, Google Plus. Plus to Boy, shine. Boy, this would be the time for them. They're, they're, they're probably gnashing their teeth that they shut down Google Plus. Yeah. They could have been poised. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> yes, I'm sure they found out about my website through social media. But again, what this what we're talking about isn't getting rid of social media. We're talking about downgrading it from a from your publishing focus to a place that you can use to funnel that traffic to your website. Uh, right. At this point, not to read. I still am going to post that comic on Twitter so you can read the whole thing on Twitter. But there's going to be a whole lot of more uh, of emphasis of focusing towards your website. And like Dave says, the the newsletter, you're going to want to uh, uh, consider that funnel of, of traffic a lot more than you did five years ago uh, mm-hmm. when it wasn't quite as, as important. You're going to want to consider that website as a hub of all of your activity uh, because this thing that we're doing is changing in real time before our eyes. And, and I don't know that uh, a website is going to be the, the 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 silver bullet, but right now it's your best chances of being on top of what happens next. Yeah, and like looking at this from thirty thousand feet, this is a time of change. It's a we're in a liminal period, and I will say, as people that went through this before, when advertising fell apart and we had to completely change <sighs> our business model yes. within I don't know eighteen months or so. Yes, it's uncomfortable and it's not. Fun per se to think about, oh, Twitter's going down and all social yeah. media is not really working for us because we knew this even going before Twitter was purchased, that social media wasn't necessarily working for us in the way that we mm. wanted it to. Um, it's uncomfortable to be in a time of pain. As Brad said so eloquently, it's a it's a time of ganashing of teeth. Um, much like, much like Gary Gnu, it, it's a time for gnashing no, of teeth. And don't think I don't think don't good. think I didn't miss that the gnashing of teeth on Google's part. I couldn't let that go. I heard gnashing. That was amazing. Gnashing. <laughs> no gnus is good gnus with Gary Gnu. Was that was that from the New Zoo Review? Yes, that is such a oh. callback and only weird Americans of a certain yes. age that watched animation at a certain period in American TV would know Gary Gnu. Anyway, um, I just thought ganashing made me laugh. Uh, so but what I'm getting at here is from 30,000 feet. So how do you how do you survive points of transition like Brad and I have had yeah. to do when like the T-shirt model fell apart yeah. or the advertising model fell apart mm-hmm. or now in this case, this weird liminal period where social media seems to be falling apart. The yeah. way you do it is you keep making good work. You keep putting it out there as best you can to as many channels as are manageable for you. Yeah, yeah. And and you you keep your head on a swivel. This is one of those times where you just you see what your peers and and sort of thought leaders in your field are doing and you see what's working. And as best you can, you try to adapt to what's working in the next six to 18 to 36 months. And it's it's going to be a tricky period. But that's that's the basic roadmap, I think. 
Yeah, no, I I agree a hundred percent. We're in we're living in some pretty interesting times right now, uh, oh, yeah. and and this, but but also this is a time for opportunity. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna wrap up this topic. I'm so glad you brought up because uh, we are going through a major change, not in not only in social media but in comics publishing. Uh, mm-hmm. This is uh, uh, coinciding with another major t- change, very much like when advertising crumbled. And uh, uh, what what did we do though? When advertising crumbled, a lot of us discovered crowdfunding. And here's the thought I want to leave you with. There is not a single, well, maybe one or two, but there aren't many. 99% of uh, web comics uh, artists, 99% of web cartoonists would never, ever, ever go back to the advertising model now that we're doing crowdfunding. Crowdfunding yeah, that's true. brought that's us true. to such a better life, such a better livelihood. So many better things. Our lives are better. Uh, we had to go demonstrably yeah. the, the, the painful. And I'm telling you right now, it was painful. It was one of the worst. It was 2013. I'll never forget that year. One of the worst periods of my life. Uh, but going through that pain took us to a much better place. Uh, so if all of this uh, conversation about Twitter crumbling and uh, uh, a social media pendulum switching and turning the other way, if it, if it frightens you and, and let's face it, change is frightening. Uh, if it scares you, I want you to remember that we've been through changes like this before and very, very often, if not almost always, that pain brings us to a better place. Boy, I uh, that's true. That's true. It's it's good to yeah. have that optimistic twist on this. I we're 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 quickly running out of time. Uh and, and it looks like this is gonna be an all Twitter show, but we do have Boy. one quick update we wanted to make sure that we talked about. And it and it's oh, specific yes. uh to publishing in general. Dave, what was that? Well, so this is a quick update, but if you remember for the um, the uh, Simon and Schuster potential merger with Penguin Random House, um, uh, which, by the way, isn't that funny that Simon and now is now Simon and Schuster. Penguin is now Penguin Random House. Anyway, mm-hmm. they were trying to merge. There was a an anti monopolistic uh, uh, case going on about it. And we had some fun tidbits come out where Brad yeah. and I and many independent publishers learned that, hey, we're not doing so bad compared yeah. to how the average book does in the average year for the average publisher. Anyway. Uh, it looks like that uh, that merger is not going to be allowed to proceed. And so the yeah. update there for the average web cartoonist is um, is basically you're doing fine. And uh, it, it, it's this is not going to impact you in any way, shape or form, because I feel like uh, we've probably reached sort of a, a tipping point where past certain media mergers are not going to be allowed to happen for the time being. I think there's been enough consolidation in the market where even the government is like, eh, this is kind of getting too monopolistic. Uh, The prices for the average book buy would go down. Authors would be hurt. The number and the volume of books published would be hurt. Mm -hmm. The quality of ideas going out into culture would be hurt. So let's not allow these. Anyway, what I'm getting at here is it looks like, at least for the super mergers in the publishing world, that that might be a time of pause uh, for further mergers and, uh, which in general, I think is good for a society of ideas and mm-hmm. for the authors that do work with publishers, even though we do not. Absolutely. And, and, and like Dave pointed out the mo- one of the most significant things of that, uh, of that entire period of time that they were going through that lawsuit 
was that we found out uh, some statistics and some data that otherwise we would have never had access to because they had to make that part of the public record. And by doing that, we really did find out that uh, all uh, all of these uh, guesses that Dave and I had about how we were doing uh, when you you put it up against a published author, uh, we always were kind of like, no, I think I think we're doing I think we're doing just fine over here. Uh, It really uh, underlined and uh, and solidified that that was the truth. Right. There was a lot of people that were you could see on paper it did not uh it did not hang together and if you want the uh, more information on that we did an entire episode that we really focused in on that that you can go back and listen to but in the meantime uh that update uh it just kind of shows uh something we've said in a long time own and control your own work right Oh, boy. And that is very true. Again, as Brad was saying, in a time where where undeniably there will be pain in a time of change. But when you own and control your own work, you in many ways guide your future better than anyone could that does not own and control their own work. And so, yes, this will be a, a, a painful time of transition, a painful time of change but you'll survive it because you own and control your own work. So yes, Brad, yeah. I think you've nailed it right on the head. And I think leaving on an optimistic note is a good one for people that are doing web comics. Absolutely. Well, listen, I, we got to focus on that. We got to focus on uh, a, a painful transition and uh, bringing us to a better place. For example, every, every time we come to the end of a show, Dave, it's a painful transition to me coming to the end of comic lab, but I know it's going to bring me to a better place of being able to record the show with you again next week. At which point you're going to hear me say that you've been listening to comic lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Your hosts have been my friend, Brad Geiger, who very wisely did not take on $44 billion worth of debt this week. He is the editor of webcomics.com and the creator of Evil Inc. at evil-comic.com. And my equally business savvy friend, Dave Kellett, the co-director of the comics documentary Stripped and the cartoonist of Sheldon at sheldoncomics.com and Drive at drivecomic.com. Well, Brad, the savvy investor has a sandwich-heavy portfolio, if you remember. The Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net, and this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. If you love Comic Lab, and and why wouldn't you, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. And for the single person who did not give us a five-star rating <gasps> on, on Spotify and so dropped us down to 4.9 from 5.0. No. Oh, Brad. Oh, oh the, like, uh, the umbrage that I feel, Brad. The umbrage. I'm I'm like a professor at Hogwarts. Take thine beak from out my heart. <laughs> anyway, Comic Lab is made possible by your support on Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. So we'll go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. So I, I read something really interesting. I forget where I saw this, uh, but it, it, anyway, the whole idea was like 
you and me, if you gave us a billion dollars, we would we would try it. We, we honestly would, I think, try to do something. We, we, we'd certainly keep a little something for ourselves. But it's also but like, try it's to like do Brewster's something. millions. You, yeah. you wouldn't be able to spend it all. A yeah. billion dollars is so much money. You wouldn't be able to spend it all. Yeah, and, keep going. And then you you. I, I really would be tempted to do something amazing that would people make people remember my name, like like something good for the world. And you say to yourself, how does Jeff Bezos uh, uh, avoid doing that? How does he not? Right. <laughs> how does like, he, how do, how does uh, he how manage comes, to be such an ass hat all the time? Yeah, yeah. How, how is he not tempted even out of like ego? How is he not tempted to take a swing at world hunger or to just, uh, you know, just and somebody pointed out that it's not that rich people get greedy. It's that greedy people get rich. Oh, that's a good. And when you good, put, put it into oh. uh, that kind of it's like, well, yeah, they were never going to do it. That that greed got them rich in the first place. They're not going to suddenly become ungreedy. Uh, they're, right. they're they're the same greedy bastard they was, and that's what helped them get rich. It's not like it's not like rich people all of a sudden get greedy. Uh, greedy people get rich, and once I that's one thing that all of a sudden that that doesn't bother me. I can get to sleep at night. It's like I it's I because literally I would be upset. Like how come you're not at least tempted to feed people with that money? How come it, how come it never crosses your mind? I could feed everybody for the rest of the year and still have ridiculous amounts of money. It's not that they got greedy. It's that they got rich. Woof.